All right, we come to 1 Samuel 17, this story that we've just had read to us. I first heard it at uh, Sunday school. Uh, it's, it, I think it's always been in my consciousness. I can't remember not knowing this story. Uh, it's probably one of the most graphic stories in the Bible. And I have a vivid image in my mind that's been there since I can remember of this stone. It says sinking into Goliath's forehead. I mean, that is a very graphic image, isn't it? And um, I, we're going to try and learn some lessons from this. One lesson is if you're going out to fight in uh, pre-modern times, perhaps be prepared that your opponent might have a missile weapon. Uh, it does seem to me that uh, Goliath was a bit underprepared and perhaps his arrogance uh, stopped him from preparing properly. So there's a lesson there maybe. But I've actually entitled uh, this sermon, I think it will come up there, hopefully. Um, one man heading for a dead end, one man heading in the wrong direction and one man heading in the right direction. And I'll come to that in a moment. Effectively, I'm about to challenge you all to be courageous Christian people. So, you know, uh, I just have a little uh, courage, self-analysis. How courageous would you say you were generally and as a Christian? You up, you know, do you care who knows you're a Christian? Are you quite up for speaking about Jesus in public? Or does that, does that thought kind of make you a bit fearful? Of course, we want to be sensitive about how we present Jesus to people, but um, how courageous would you say you were generally? How courageous would you, uh, how, how courageous is your Christianity? Are you willing to take risks for God? Or is it all safety first? Hmm. Well, let's think about Goliath for a minute or two. Um, when we get these narrative stories, I think the goal really is for us to sort of put ourselves in the shoes of these characters and see where we can identify with them and learn perhaps from their mistakes or from their, uh, their successes. But I'm hoping that nobody feels that they're you know, fully identifying with Goliath. You're not meant to do that. He's the villain of this story in case that wasn't obvious to you. And he's the villain because he, in his arrogance... He stands and opposes the purposes of God. He is defiant. And he, he calls down curses on God's servant. And he points the finger at the kingdom of God, the armies of Israel, and says to them, I defy you. I know better. I am part of the future and you're part of the past. That's what he's saying to them. And um, just, you know, I don't think there's too many actual Goliaths that we meet, people who actually are Goliaths. But um, in the New Testament, we read that there are enemies of the people of God. It's very important that we understand who those enemies are. They are not fundamentally people. Um, this is where Jesus got into difficulties, because the people in his day said the real problem in the world is the Romans. And Jesus said, it's not the Romans at all. It's a far worse problem than that. The real problem is your sin. The real problem is inside you, not external to you. The enemy is not this other racial group. The enemy who've conquered you and tyrannized you, the real enemy is inside. And he challenged the leaders of the, of the day with that essential message. And they crucified him for it. They didn't want to hear that. Uh, later in New Testament, we read that there are three enemies of, of the kingdom of God, the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
Let me explain what they are. The flesh is our own human failings. You try and live righteously, and you can't. You, you try and do the right thing all the time, and all that you learn is that there's something in you, a bit like a car with a steering problem that constantly steers in slightly off in the wrong direction. We, we, we're like that morally. Despite our best intentions, we find ourselves not quite living as we should. The attitudes inside of us are not quite what they should be. So the flesh, the second big enemy of the kingdom of God, the second big enemy of the Christian person is the world system that is constantly bearing down on the Christian with messages that contradict what the Bible teaches. Constantly saying, you don't need to give. On the contrary, you should be maximising your own wealth. You don't have to be generous. Keep stuff back for yourself. You don't have to be um, courageous. Poor you. Self-pity is a far more comforting and self and safe place to be than courage. You don't have to have self-control. On the contrary, real life is lived when you let go and just live according to your impulses. These kind of messages are bearing down on us through the world system all the time. Buy more, eat more, consume. Have every experience. You want to take a lover apart from your wife or your husband? Go for it. Go and experience life. Do a few things. Don't, be, don't try and live a righteous life. Goodness, what a lot of wasted effort. These messages are coming down your TV screen. They are coming down the internet at you 24-7. And what does Paul say? He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. It will cause grief in your life and it will cause grief in the life of others. It is not God's way. And the third enemy, of course, is what stands behind all this wickedness, the devil, the spiritual forces of evil that are constantly trying to deceive you and tempt you, make false promises to you, that you can have a great life doing your thing for your own ends and trying to divert you from God's intention for your life, that you would become like the Lord Jesus. These things are Goliaths. And we are not to muck around with them. They are enemies. They are out to kill you. They are out to destroy your life and the life of others around you. They speak arrogantly. They speak assertively. In parts of the world, the world system speaks aggressively and violently against Christian people and says, you will conform or we will persecute you. That's happening right now, right around the world. In our day, it's more subtle. You will conform or we will ridicule, marginalise or disapprove of you. You will miss out on life if you don't conform. And they'll tell us Christians that we're on the wrong side of history. You're yesterday's news. You're in decline. You're part of an oppressive past. Of course, the church has made mistakes, and at times it deserves that, that attack. But the voices of this world, the voices of the devil, the voices of your own weakness will say, you're on the wrong side of history. You've got no future. That's what Goliath is saying to the Israelites. I defy you. Well, <laughs> Actually, it was Goliath that had a very short future. 
he just didn't realise it. But essentially, he has intimidated the people of God. Perhaps I could have the next slide up. What intimidates us as Christian people? Sure, all the messages of the world around us can intimidate us. There are many Christians, many churches, many denominations in the Western world who have keeled over. They've run up the white flag and said, no, this is too big a challenge. We're going to conform. We're going to conform to the world's expectations of us about sexual, uh, sexuality and gender. We are going to conform to what the world teaches in all sorts of different areas. The church has been at this for a long time and it inevitably leads to decline in the church. But more importantly, even than that, it does not honour God and his word. Let God be true and every man a liar. We don't, we shouldn't be intimidated by the world system. We don't need to be. Other things intimidate us, you know, um, fears about health, fears of people's disapproval, fears of people's reactions, perhaps fears of failure, and all of this can get us into a significantly safety-first mentality. Perhaps you're so concerned that you will fail that you stop taking risks and just try and cling on to what you've got. You're so concerned about your health. Don't get me wrong, sometimes there are genuine health concerns that need to be managed correctly. But for many of us, there's a temptation that we're so fearful about our health that it's dominating our life and constraining the way that we live. Perhaps we're so horrified at the prospect of people's disapproval that we fear saying anything or, or, or actually saying what's inside of us at all. Or perhaps as Christians we fear people's disapproval so we don't really share what we believe with people. Perhaps someone around you has a tendency to react in a very volatile way and we've become intimidated of somebody and their reactions, and so we avoid doing anything that might trigger them. Well, another person who was intimidated in this story is Saul. Have the next slide, please. Saul is the leader of Israel, and here's what he's up to. He's terrified. Now, I mean, it's easy to ridicule Paul, uh, Saul, rather, uh, but, I mean, surely you can sympathise a bit how many of you would be up? You know, Goliath's outside. How many of you are up for it? Okay. He is hiding when he should be fighting. He is looking for a leader when he should be leading. He's the king. He was appointed king because of his physical prowess. It says that he was a head taller uh, than any of the other kings. In, uh, or any of the other people in Israel. So he, he wasn't as tall as Goliath, but he was a big man. And more importantly, he had God on his side, didn't he? But instead of actually counting the cost of leadership and going out and saying, I will deal with this in the name of God, he starts looking for someone else to do it and, and offers to give away his daughter to the person who'll do it. And, uh, you know, it was a patriarchal culture, okay? It was different, uh, different standards back then. Um, so don't try and judge them by the standards of today. But nonetheless, it's all a bit weak, isn't it? And I'll say, unfortunately, this is an image 
of quite a lot, lot of a, quite a lot of aspects of the church in the Western world. Instead of saying God is on our side, we have His Word in our ha- hands and His Spirit in our hearts, and we will, with love and compassion, go and live our lives before a watching world. And where people oppose us, we will go on loving them, but we'll go on speaking truth. I think the strategy of the enemy has been to intimidate us, and very often we've become intimidated. And that's all. And I can sympathise with him. There's certainly been moments where I've hidden away from the battle, even as a pastor. There have been moments when I should have been leading, and I've been carrying away. And I'm sure the same is true for you, if you're honest. Well, let's look at the third character in the story, David. And if Goliath is defying God, David is defying the enemies of God. He says, I am not going to roll over in the face of you, Goliath. On the contrary, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He will not be intimidated. He starts speaking to Saul. Saul, whose job it is to lead the people, it's David leading him. David says, no one needs to be dismayed about it. I mean, can you see how ridiculous the situation is? It's a young man. He's got no armour. He's got no experience of fighting. Okay, lions and bears, that is quite impressive. But they haven't seen that, okay? And uh, and he he rolls up and he starts saying, nobody needs to be worried about this. He's, He's a picture of reckless faith, isn't he, in God. Now, this series is entitled The The Heart of David, picking up on this idea that is in Scripture that David is, I quote, a man after God's own heart. And we reflected last week how David made big mistakes and we'll be coming to look at them in a subsequent week. But what is it about David that got, got him that accolade, that he's a man after God's own heart? I, my feeling is it's this all-in nature of David. The fact that he says, right, I'm doing the logic, I'm going to do the spiritual maths. If God is God and I follow him, then there is literally nothing for me to be afraid of. And he's got that kind of courage and determination and I'll lay it all on the line. That is the nature of dynamic faith. Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God uh, and presumably therefore equally people of great faith do please God. And, and David is showing sort of exemplary faith here. He says, I'm just going to put it all out there. And I'm thinking of other f- characters in the Bible who are a bit like that. Peter's a bit like that. Capable of, the Apostle Peter, he, he, can, he can make horrendous mistakes and say really stupid things. But there's an all or nothing element about him, isn't there? And the Apostle Paul, likewise, You know, when he's the enemy of the church, he doesn't do it by halves. He sins big. And then God calls him and calls him ultimately to martyrdom. And then he he lives big for God after that. I think that's that's the heart of it with David. It's this all-in nature. And it leads him in these moments to be defiant. And, of course, David's faith wins the day. Next slide, please. And he brings Goliath down. And Goliath is no more, with all his intimidation and his bullying and his scariness, he's out of the picture. Now, 
please do understand. I am, I mean, in case there's any question, I am not suggesting you all get tooled up for, you know, physical confrontation and start taking on the enemies of the church in some kind of physical battle. That is an Old Testament perspective, not a New Testament perspective. Here's the way that we win in the New Testament. Can I have the next slide, please? Here's where Jesus won the ultimate victory. Not now against a poor sap like Goliath, but against the true enemies of God's kingdom, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He won against sin by taking it all on himself. He won against death by rising again. And he exposed evil for what it is for all time. And now he is the Lord of all. And we are told that if we're to follow him, then we're to take up our cross and give ourselves entirely to the service of the Lord Jesus. And how do we do that? We do it by having tough minds and tender hearts. We do it by having minds that are full of God's word and says, do you know what? I don't care what values there might be in the world around me. If they conflict with God's will, then let God be true and every man a liar. And I will think deeply, compassionately and seriously about the issues of the day. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to help me. But when I think I know what God is calling me to, I will do my best to live it and teach it to others. And we have tender hearts. We definitely do not do this from a place of superiority. We ourselves make many mistakes and so we are humble. And we seek to love people who come into our lives. And we fill our sling with love and compassion and kindness and sacrifice and service. And we go on and on and on doing it. And eventually, love conquers all. We will not win the day by cutting out of God's word the bit that the, the, the culture doesn't like. That's a big mistake. Of course, we have to learn to interpret it right. We need to do that seriously and thoughtfully and prayerfully. But once, as far as we've understood it, we cling to this in our minds. And in our disposition to others, we come humbly alongside whoever will talk to us, whoever will listen to us, and we teach them what we have found in God's word. God's word in our mind, God's love in our heart, and we go out courageously. Now, how do you think you're doing? I hope, could I have the next slide, please? I hope there's no one here who's saying, well, I'm, I'm Goliath, actually. Um, if you are, and you have always thought you're on the right side of history, you know, if you're arrogantly defying God's purposes, watch out for flying stones. If they come from us, they'll be full of love. Don't worry, we're not out to kill you. You'll be pleased to know that. Um, we're, we're out to change your mind, if we can. But ultimately, you cannot oppose the purposes of God and succeed. It's not possible. 
Secondly, who do you identify with more, Saul or David? Well, I guess there's a bit of both in all of us. But the inspiration here, and by God's spirit, I hope to be successful in encouraging you. Encouraging you. Don't be intimidated by the world around us. Don't conform to it. Cultures come and go, and if Jesus hasn't returned in a hundred years and people are still, they won't be sitting in this building, but sitting down the road, listening to somebody else preaching dubious sermons, um, then that, those people will face different challenges to the ones we do, just as our forebears a hundred years ago faced different challenges to the ones we do. What won't change is that God's kingdom of love and truth will still be sure. So if you want to be on the right side of history, walk with God. Take inspiration from David. Lay it all on the line. Don't live tepid Christian lives. Give yourself all in. You cannot outgive God. He is no person's debtor. Anything you do for him will be handsomely rewarded. He wants to put courage in your heart. Don't live a tepid life. And if the truth is fear has got a grip on you, then you have my sympathy. It's a horrible place to be. Do everything you can, practically and spiritually, to turn that around. Because it's not what God wants for you. Let's be people of courage. David the warrior. He's on the side of Almighty God. And when you're on the side of Almighty God, there is literally nothing left to fear. God bless you. Amen. We're going to respond to that. Let's just close our eyes. And maybe you just want to put your palms out to the Lord as just a sign that you want to be like David. Maybe you felt you were like David in the past, but as you've grown older, you feel your heart has become colder. So wonderful just to be reminded of how Jesus has paid not only the penalty, but also the power of our sin. We don't need to be slaves of fear. Our Lord Jesus took on our sins so that we might become the righteousness of God. So that we may be able to face up to the injustices of this world. We were reminded in our first, or was it our second song today, about the fact that the one who fights our battles is the Lion of Judah. As we put our hands out, we're, we're not just saying we're going to do this in our own strength. We're just asking that the Lord would clothe us once again with that armour. We may think about ourselves that we're not really able. We, we struggle even to have the desire, the willpower. We don't need to worry about. Just ask that the Spirit once again would clothe you with the armour, ready for battle. Knowing that Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, has already won the war. Lord, we just want to thank you that we are yours. 
Lord, as we fight battles, we know that the victory is yes in Christ. We thank you that you do not ask us to do anything in our strength, but you call us to once again abide in you, to be transformed by the power of your death and your resurrection. Lord, we've seen it in baptism, that the old self, the soul, has died. But the David who foreshadows Jesus has been raised again. Thank you, Lord, that we walk each step of faith victorious. Lord, as we've heard that truth, may we know it and may we be able to live by it. Come, Holy Spirit, flood us once again with your love. Help us to be empowered. Amen. And all hell declares the glory of the risen Lord. And who can compare with the beauty of the Lord? Forever He will be the Lamb upon the throne. I gladly bow.
giving today cash or check please do fill in one of those uh, gift aid we really need your details so we can claim back the gift aid but we'll continue in worship and uh, also you may notice on your chair there is a QR code you can scan and you can give via that as well so if you're due to take up the offering if you could come up and help Eric here we'll pass around the offering and we'll continue to praise our God for a few more minutes So come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. For you alone are worthy. For you alone, I will 
and so as we've been uh, hearing about. And so Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So with those words, may the strength of God sustain us as we go from this place. May we know the power of God is with us to preserve us, to protect us and to empower us to fight whatever battles lay before us this week. And above all else, may we know the love of God in Christ Jesus for us. So let's go with our victorious God, this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Well, please do take a seat before you leave today. I want you to look in front of your seat or behind. You should see a QR code. And can I encourage you, if you have a smartphone, if you're still someone who doesn't have a smartphone, that's absolutely fine. You are very welcome. But for many of us who have smartphones, can I encourage you just to scan that QR code and you will find there's an opportunity, if you're new, to connect with us. There's a way of giving and there's also just a way of, of finding out about the Pearly Week as well. So I encourage you on a weekly basis to, make, not if you get bored in the talk or anything like that, but do feel that that is a really quick way to make access to us and to find out about what's happening at the church. I want to just thank the office who have worked really hard to make sure every seat has a QR code on it. We may find there's one or two out there that we need to uh, make sure has one. It's lovely to have had Abby and Eugenia baptised. We hope you have a lovely day together with your families and I hope you all feel so blessed by being with us this morning and I hope you cherish being part of this wonderful thing that is the family of God. So I hope you go and have a lovely week and we'll see you next Sunday.